0: Jay, welcome to episode 14. Hey Manish, how are you? I'm good, good. Couldn't be better, yeah? Just setting up my new home. So I guess the long weekend is going to go into just shopping and, you know, buying stuff for the house. What are
1: you up to? Have a full long weekend also. Hoping to get a gap of actual rest in there. But knowing myself, I tend to stack up every day I get free with meeting people. So, yeah. Interesting. So what are we going to discuss today, Jay? What's on the cards? Competition and and essentially finding a niche, if that makes sense. So, how do companies do it? And and what should we really be looking at? Like, what does it mean when we talk about an economic moat for instance? And that is kind of very important, especially in 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 the field I and we work in. In fact, in fact, this reminds me of a letter of Jeff Bezos that I that I read, where he
0: said that competition acts on a company like Gravity to bring it down and unless and until you don't fight to mediocrity, unless and until you don't strive to get better and better, then then the company will give in to the nature of destruction which is what happens with every living being like you and I are going to die one day. He, say, he said so beautifully and that's why it's always day one in, in, in Amazon purely because... You got to fight competition on a daily basis, get better on a daily basis. and Otherwise, you're toast. And I guess that's why, you know, we, we also chose this topic to talk to you before you make investments. Because everything has a competitive force happening on it. Like if you find something, any of the audiences, if you find something which has no competitive force, which is rare, then you're sitting on a, on a gold mine. And we're going to cover examples where there are companies where the competitive forces are really high and there are companies where the competitive forces are really
1: low. Absolutely. You know. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, and I think that the companies that have succeeded or like have passed through the strength of time have made it because they've been able to battle competition well. But that's not to say that that's going to last forever, right? We're going to walk through examples of how companies that thought that they had everything going in their favor and all the competitive advantages that they could possibly have go out of the consumer's thought process itself.
0: Yeah, like Jay, Today morning, I was going through this podcast called Business Wars. Jeff, if you listen to podcast, this podcast is a must subscribe. Business Wars covers case studies between businesses competing against each other, and they were covering a case study between BlackBerry and iPhone. And BlackBerry was ruling the market, and BlackBerry was the was the thing people would crave for, especially the business community and the elite community. All right, I I also remember using BlackBerry, and it was such a cool thing to have. And when Steve Jobs launched Apple, and if you've seen the presentation that Steve Jobs did when he launched Apple, that he said that we are launching a phone and a computer, and you know, like we are launching in one thing. Yeah. The podcast covered that when BlackBerry executives were listening to this, they thought it's a scam. They thought that Steve Jobs was was uh, was making fun, or it was a joke. They couldn't even believe their eyes that that something like that could ever be done. And and because it took C jobs lightly, BlackBerry is just, you know,
1: non-existent today. Or not existing in the phone space. But I mean, you see, you see versions of that too, right? If you look at Kodak, yeah. a camera company that failed to understand fully the threat of, you know, digital uh, photography.
0: Yeah, in spite of one of the employees... You know, also making a pitch of going digital photography, but they never invested in.
1: Had the opportunity even of exactly of, of being the first mover in that space, but just you know, didn't didn't make it there. I mean, if you look at blockbuster Netflix, same story, right? So I mean, the cases are empty. So let's let's dive into what we're actually going to speak about today.
0: The reason why we are covering competition is for you to understand that if you want to compound your money you got to be able to make investments that can fight these forces of, of gravitational pull into oblivion or, or the, this gravitational pull which would destroy a company's business model and eventually the business. And the reason we thought it makes sense to cover this is for you to give importance to this concept of competitive forces or competition on a company. Because if you become good at it, then you'll be able to make the right calls. And what allows a company to... to keep the competitive forces away or fight with with success is basically having an economic moat. Correct. A moat that a company has. Jay, you wanna you wanna riff on it? Like what exactly is an economic moat?
1: I mean so an economic moat is it can take very various forms, right? What is a moat in general is essentially having fences around you. And the number one example of a company that has an economic or a moat is a company that we touched on before, which is Apple. And a lot of people fail to kind of see where the economic moat is. People who compare Apple to Nokia don't really understand the, the moat Apple has. The moat Apple has is really the ecosystem of Apple, right? It, it's not about the iPhone having the newest features. It's about the fact that it's going to be... It's very difficult for you to even think of switching to another phone that's not Apple... Because all of your data, all of your other devices are all in this one ecosystem. And that's really where I think one of the best examples of a moat is. And then, you know, you have other companies, you have, when it comes to logistics companies, you have the likes of UPS and and DHL. And with them, really the moat is all of the years and years of infrastructure, all the investments that they've made into infrastructure. And having the trucking and all of that, it's not easy to to you know for a new
0: new player to enter for a new
1: player to enter you do see competition come up it's not impossible right but it's 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 difficult to get to that scale if that makes sense and 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 really, you're seeing threats when it comes to a business like that through the likes of Amazon kind of vertically integrating the businesses
0: and and creating a flywheel of sorts. Like Amazon has created business model after business model, starting with one thing, then another. Best part of Amazon, I also think, is there there a culture of trying out new businesses and not shying away from failing? Jeff Bezos has also said that when when they failed with their Fire phone, they had a phone, all right, or a tablet where they failed miserably. They said that if you think, uh, you know, this is a bad deal, then we are even going to have bigger failures in time to come, but we will not stop experimenting. That's a big motto. Yeah. In, in a capitalist society where, where your shares are listed and traded on a daily basis, many companies fear experimenting, but, but not Amazon. So sometimes a culture of a company also becomes a moat. Like, like if you remember, Google, I think still till date, all right. I think it's become bigger, so may not be. But in early days, Google would allow employees to dedicate 20% of their time on hobbies, on, on side projects. That no, Google I think could
1: that still happens. On.
0: That still happened. Gmail was a side project. You know, and look at, look at what Gmail has allowed them to do, create a whole ecosystem of consumer base, which they are now tapping into in so many different ways. But that's a culture which becomes a mode, which is what allows it to stand against competition so successfully. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And it allows you, I mean, even just lastly on that point, Gmail was not like a core part of Google, right? It's not a search engine thing, but Kind of transforming the business in that way just destroyed competition in so many ways.
0: Yeah. These side projects or these side hustles or these uh, pet projects is a very, very important part of some businesses which have that culture Absolutely. of pivoting into, into new business models. Also, sometimes people running a business also creates a mode, basically, a mode that allows you to generate economic returns which is much higher than an industry. For example, if the car industry today worldwide is growing let's say at 5% or the rate, the rate of growth is low with billions of cars around the world all right but if tesla lands up growing in the same industry at 15 or 20% in fact more maybe 50% per annum with, with the kind of uh, you know sales that is happening it technically also comes down more if you have that's when you create that kind of revenue way more than the industry it also cuz many times come down to people like in tesla's case no matter how much you you talk about Elon Musk. It's very dangerous to bet against that guy because 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 the guy is a genius. Absolutely. And he's he's innovating and and pivoting and experimenting. And before you catch up with Tesla, it would have moved thousand miles ahead of you. And l- look at this, look at the Jay, the beauty of the guy. He says, I don't I don't want to I don't want to patent. You know, I don't want to patent and block the evolution of EV industry. Everything is open. You want to build EV by all means. But where we will where we will go ahead is in innovating and staying way ahead of the pack like look at the guy like how many people have i heard of who are not you know concerned about protecting their patent i mean i've not come across anyone besides Elon Musk.
1: no i completely agree and actually just to that story itself i had studied in china for a month part of my class was to visit an ev battery factory and the guy mentioned to me he was like I can make everything that this Tesla can do except the battery. He's like, I have 100 engineers working continuously around the clock to try to get the technology off the battery, but I just cannot. And that just goes to show the level of innovation that goes through Tesla's Giga factories, right? Yeah,
0: and spearheaded by Elon Musk. Spearheaded Is by like, Elon Musk. Like, if you Musk. read the autobiography... If you read the autobiography called Elon Musk by Ashley Vance, it just gives you a view or a glimpse into the man's thinking. He breaks down things to the most basic fundamental part and, and takes it from there. Like it, it, it's, a, it's a skill which is rare for a person to look at a problem and break it down to its simplest fundamental component. And, and because he can do that, He's made a billion dollar fortune in not one, not two, three industries, you know, SpaceX, Tesla, PayPal, PayPal earlier, uh, SolarCity, which is another one, and then Boring Company, which is another one, like people can become a source of more economic profits for a very, very long time to come, culture, business model, patents for some company like medicine companies, pharma companies have patents, which allow them to earn insane profits for 10, 20 years. So, there are many kinds of economic modes that you got to look at. Right? But also, Jay, let's talk about what looks like an economic mode but is not because it can be disrupted. Though in your mind, eyes, you might be thinking, oh, it's a mode and it will allow the company to sustain for life. Okay. What comes to your mind, Jay? Stuff that looks like they have an economic mode but it's not.
1: A lot of the times, I think with airline companies, you know, the likes of Ryanair or Wizz Air. When it comes to these low-cost carriers, on the outside, it seems like, you know, oh, it's difficult to, to actually make an airline and to actually create a new airline. But really, when I started to analyze airlines, airlines are kind of like the worst businesses because every single threat that they have is not in their favor because customers have so many options. Oil prices are a commodity. They're not in their control. So that's also not in their control. threat of suppliers you only have two airplane manufacturers which is boeing and airbus who essentially have a duopoly so that's also not in your control and regulation doesn't help tomorrow flag carriers as you call it the national carriers of the countries can continue making losses and just eat you out of competition absolutely there's just
0: which has happened world
1: over. Exactly. And and there's just so many things that just go out of your favor that, you know, the, the, the true, true low cost carriers that actually make it out alive, kudos to them. I just don't really know how long that can last, you know. So yeah, I mean, airlines are really just a cutthroat tough business. And it's another kind of industry or, or, or places where i see people think there's an economic mode is when it comes to trends or fads the likes of zoom you can see it with the stock price too when they first launched zoom was a hit but today the number of competitors that are there like yeah. think about it guys when you have a meeting a it's meet. either on teams it's on zoom uh, google meet facetime so the the competition is just so cutthroat that there's no real it's just
0: basically existing companies with their own ecosystem launching their own meeting platform so zoom may not be having as strong a moat as you might think it can be easily disrupted absolutely also also size sometimes we think that the biggest company oh so it's gonna remain there well the biggest company If it's disrupted by technology, all right, then then that company can literally lose its entire market share, which is what happens with almost every company. You look at last 50 years, the companies that were a part of an index, all right, I think 50% of those companies wouldn't be a part of the index anymore. More than 50% wouldn't be part of the index anymore. They were big. Kodak was big. BlackBerry was big. GM was big. Now, is GM going to be as good with electric vehicles where the world is heading towards? I don't think so. They have the money, but we'll see. Cause, cause a smaller company, and and I, you could you could say the same thing about GE too, right? GE is completely gone to the dogs. In fact, in fact, GE is a. In, in fact, there was a book also that came out, "The Lights Out," which is the on the entire capital capital destruction or, or the business uh, destruction of GE and why it happened. But big companies, you know, also have to fight these gravitational forces on, on a daily basis. So so unless unless you buy a big company where like like I buy Berkshire Hathaway that's my biggest US stock 30% of my US stock portfolio is Bhokshaya Hathaway it is a 750 billion dollar market cap among the 10 biggest companies of, of America but it has assets which are very difficult for for people to compete them with like the among the Two biggest railroads, all right, basically, is, is owned by them, BSNNF. They own the second biggest insurance company of America, which is massive and very difficult for a, for a small player. Some companies did try to break their business model, didn't happen. And many other businesses that they own. But but if a big company has a moat, it would still be able to fight off competition, but many big companies don't have. And Berkshire Hathaway also today, you know, tomorrow, maybe we'll be able to teleport
1: and won't need a railroad. Exactly. I mean, it's it's it, it, like like Manish said. You know, and, and 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 the key to why big businesses find it difficult. Manish touched on technology. I think yeah. a lot of the problem is also the agility, right? Smaller companies just are leaner, can talk interdepartment much more easily. And you're seeing, you know, these big companies like, like we mentioned, like Google and Amazon try to push it out of the employees to allow themselves to fail and learn. But again, it's very important for agility to take place so that you right. don't get eaten up by smaller, leaner players. Right.
0: Like, like like, Reliance, okay? Jay, we've spoken about Reliance before also. The biggest refiner of India now, the biggest telecom player of India uh, it is very difficult for, a, for an existing player to actually invest billions of dollars that Reliance has done. Uh, but it's a very complicated business to understand. Uh, but it's a massive business with a dominant market share in the industry they operate in. And, and it seems to have done a pretty decent job of growing that marketplace or growing those businesses and monetizing those businesses in a better manner. So, so when you buy a big company, you've got to think, you know, what can destroy this business? Or what can impair this business? Because if you're not thinking that, then you're just lazy in mm-hmm. your stock purchase, thinking that, oh, I'm buying the biggest company and it's going to remain for there. No, 50% of the big companies that you look at right now may not even be there 5 to 10 years down the line. I couldn't agree more, yeah. Jay, what's your call on management bit? Any Anybody that comes to mind?
1: I would say someone like Zuckerberg. But it's very important to realize that management is not a moat. In fact, it could be a threat. Because... The biggest disadvantage to Facebook or investing in Facebook is the fact that yes, Zuckerberg is, is, is a genius, but there's so much key person risk. Who's going to take over the reins after that? He has so much decision making power that it makes it difficult to, you know, grow that business going forward, if that makes sense, or, or, or think of avenues to grow that business going but, forward. But
0: what works for him is that he's young. So since he's not bordering on 60 you still but have a runway of 10 it's, plus it's, years it's, ahead.
1: Life's unpredictable, right? Agree. So but but
0: but when you're investing anything can happen. but when you're investing I wouldn't I wouldn't want to base a decision on the fact that because mm-hmm. it's unpredictable he could die tomorrow but because
1: he's young I'm still willing to bet on the company. Sure, yeah. I mean absolutely. But it's just important to realize that that's not a full economic moat, right? Mean of course you person. can't. Yeah,
0: you can't. Like in his case, you can't bet on him. But there are many businesses like like uh, Mark Leonard of Constellation Software. If if you've heard of this company, the guy's capital allocation skills are so good that his company has compounded for the last fifteen plus years at twenty five percent per annum because he keeps acquiring vertical management software businesses VMS businesses and and the stock's been a stellar performer. But Hmm. but yes some companies have like Warren Buffet there was the a time people would trust his ability to allocate capital in the best possible manner and the first 30-40 years of, of Berkshire the stock compounded at 20-23% to 23% per annum blind trust on the on the yeah. guy's capital allocation capabilities today you'll he may not be as sharp as he was because the money involved is also big but, but sometimes management can be a mode but definitely not in Zuckerberg's case but but the company itself has a
1: pretty decent moat. Fair enough. Any other examples that come to mind?
0: I, I have a lovely quote that comes to mind that Peter Lin said, all right, uh, he said that go for a business that any idiot can run because sooner or later, any idiot probably is going to run it. Because some or the other times, some joker is going to come and and destroy the company's business model because incentives may make him make stupid decisions. That's why I go for a business that an idiot can run. Like Google comes to my mind, you know, with the search engine business that they have, like an idiot can run it. Purely because the algorithms are already set and they keep tinkering it a little bit. I think more than 70 by 80% of the ad market in the world is dominated by Google. That's insane it's That's a insane
1: fact i mean who who would have even thought right that a search engine company makes money off ads and 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 to that point, even if you think about Tesla monetizing the data that's being collected on their cars, they recently announced about the insurance, right yeah, how they can now sell that data if you want it, obviously to insurance companies and get you better insurance codes because they now know how you're driving, how safely you're driving. I mean, that's brilliant, right? That's how you think of making money in ways Yeah, that- that's
0: the beauty of these tech businesses, yeah? Their business models allow them to pivot in so many directions, monetize in so many directions, that is, that how, it, how Tesla will look 10 years down the line, you and I can't even fathom. Johnson & Johnson, I know how it's going to look 10 years down the line. Right? How will Tesla look? How will Amazon look? I don't know. I don't know what business, uh, you know. So that's why sometimes I find it funny, Jay, when I read analyst reports. Uh, they have projections for the company in 2035. This will be the earnings per share. I find it such a load of BS. How can, no, even, sure. how can you even factor in how the company is going to look like 13 years down the line? It's so difficult to see what's going to happen 2-3 years down the line
1: i completely agree in fact actually the analyst reports that i i i tend to stay away from analyst reports but the few that i read only have projections till 2023 yeah same and i i I think they've learned from that you know they've learned from the fact that you don't want to look like an idiot in 2025 when somebody's looking at your projections that you made three years ago and you're completely off absolutely and and like manish said like if you're analyzing apple in 2015 or twenty sixteen. How do you have known that AirPods were going to come? Uh,
0: yeah, or, or, or the or the what is that thing they launched? Apple recently launched that uh, cleaning cloth, right? A nineteen cleaning dollar cloth. cleaning uh, cloth. Or
1: <laughs> the AirTag, even you know. Or the AirTag, <laughs> they, they are selling well, like hot keys. Yeah, AirTags are selling like crazy. It's it's a brilliant product. I mean, I yeah. own two myself, and yeah, uh, that that just goes to show that it's very difficult for you to predict these kind of things and, and 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 that is something that you can't explain which is why these companies can trade at slightly more expensive multiples right absolutely for what you don't know
0: another another thing that also you got to understand is some companies that they, they they are able to stave off competition very successfully because of the network effects they have and and that Is also important to understand if your company has more and more users and if more and more users use it, more and more users will use it. And if more and more users use it, then more and more users will use it. If your company can create that kind of of effect, it becomes very displaced to like MasterCard for that example, Jay. The more people use MasterCard, more merchants want MasterCard to be accepted in their stores because the more people have MasterCard. Now, because more merchants have MasterCard terminals, machines that accept MasterCard, more people are open to buying MasterCards suddenly you've created this whole network and MasterCard Mastercard compounded so handsomely over the, over the years.
1: I, I, I completely agree. But I, I, I do see even to the... I was recently made to present a case on MasterCard and Visa. Okay. And, and, I, and I do believe that now more than ever, there are actual threats to, to the business. And, and, and MasterCard and Visa themselves... Note of that in the annual reports, right, yes. and 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 they're going into those directions and and buying out competition in places where they are seeing the the biggest threats. Absolutely, and they technology. will like if they want
0: to survive. Like like in the investor presentation, they in August or July this year, they made a they made a point that they are facing huge competition from the cards launched in India called Rupe, R U P A Y cards. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm sure you would have gone through this. And Groupe being based on UPI based platform in India, uh, a lot of people are, are not using Visa or MasterCard as much as they use Rupei. So Absolutely. So so if that is happening in India, eventually that technology will also affect their business worldwide right? unless they buy something.
1: And I think more recently they actually launched a complaint to the US government. Yeah. Citing Rupei, saying right. that it's 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 anti-competitive. But again, this is something that comes down to regulation, right? So an economic mode can just be destroyed by regulation.
0: Yeah, unless you have uh, regulations hindering competitors. Uh, But I don't think Rupee, if you if you understand the business model, it's an innovation in the fintech world, which is miles ahead of UPI, which is miles ahead of fintech payments that happen around the world. Indian fintech payments are ridiculously cheap, and I think they have billions of transactions happening on a daily basis. Yeah. So, if the government facilitated it, all right, kudos to an Indian government facilitating a UPI network which is miles ahead of any other payment network worldwide. So, if MasterCard visa are complaining for it, well, too bad. You, you got to innovate or you die. Yeah, I agree. So anyone betting on MasterCard, you've got to understand the antithesis also of that company. What could destroy its model? And unless you can't answer this question, what is the antithesis, then you shouldn't buy the stock. Jay, don't you think so? A person who can't understand the forces that are acting on the company's downfall shouldn't buy the stock at all.
1: For sure. 100%. The number one thing I learned on my job actually was... Every day after work, my boss and I would have a discussion, and I would keep telling him Tesla's overvalued. Tesla's overvalued. Tesla's overvalued. And this was when mm. Tesla was four hundred five. I, I remember.
0: I remember you telling me,
1: yeah. And you know, the number one thing I learned in my job is don't assume you know everything. Don't assume you're right. Ah,
0: investing is just so humbling when you when your calls go wrong when you lose money.
1: It's so humbling, and you know it. It completely changes you if you because see another thing is I was telling somebody that the the social media world that we live in also doesn't allow us to look for the other side, right? Because you're right. constantly getting news pieces, articles that only cater to what you've searched for. So it's like saying if you've read an article saying Tesla's overvalued and you read a second article saying Tesla's overvalued, that's what you constantly get fed. Right. Instead of looking for other reasons. And, and, you, and know, you get
0: married to the opinion. and that was You get to married to difficult. the opinion.
1: Yeah. And... In in fact, if you actually look at like there's there's cases of how Tesla can you can actually justify the valuation, whether you choose to believe it or not is is a different story. But look for the other side, right? Understand what what threats there are, what strengths there are. Don't just think you know everything.
0: And and it's not easy, guys. You know, it is not easy to be able to attach probabilities to the future scenarios, all right, bullish scenario, bearish scenario. It is not easy, but no one said investing is going to be easy. It's simple, all right, but it's not easy. And it really becomes conducive for you to do direct equity investing if you're curious to understand how the world works. If you're not curious, you won't be reading and understanding businesses and industries. And if you're not understanding business and industry, then only thing you know is a price. It's trading at $100. I hope it will go to $150 and you buy. But if you don't understand the industry of the business, then let me tell you when it goes down, all right, it, it could hurt you bad. And sometimes profits get wiped off and people can't even bounce back from their losses, which has happened enough and more times, all right. So a curious mind is the biggest tool or weapon you have to be able to you know, make the right decisions when you, when you buy stocks directly.
1: I couldn't agree more, yeah.
0: And, and the interesting part is that if you do understand businesses and industries, uh, which I'll be very frank, I see my friends buying stocks, they have no clue about the industry or the business or the unit economics valuation also, which is the easiest part to actually see because balance sheets are publicly available today. Like you have your screeners and all which throw all the data possible.
1: Granted, the likes of Bloomberg is expensive, but what Bloomberg offers a lot of the stuff that you can get on bloomberg is available on yahoo finance you know i don't have bloomberg anywhere which is bloomberg's anywhere platform as as redundant as it sounds but i learned that whatever i needed off of bloomberg i have on yahoo finance
0: yeah so so the day bloomberg predominantly gives you a lot of noise uh, uh there's a lot of noise that that thrown
1: at you from many different
0: places but your curiosity will allow you to know what's a noise and what's a signal
1: it's one of the in my opinion arguably the most important most brilliant tool that that you can have as a financial analyst but that's another topic for another day
0: so guys sometimes it could be network effects sometimes it could be a cost advantage uh, that others just don't have and sometimes cost advantages come because of locations you know hard to scale or access to a unique asset or a unique resource like tata in india okay manufactures vehicles largest electric vehicles sold in car is uh, sold in india is tatas they also have a chemical company that has a division that is uh, invested into chemicals used in the electric vehicles they also have a power distribution company which is tied up with petrol pumps around the world, around uh, the whole country, where they are setting up charging stations. You, you imagine how many verticals in an EV industry do they have ownership in? And now they are just pivoting all their businesses into the EV and targeting, if I'm right, 100,000 charging stations in India, which is huge, you know? So Massive. now now that cost advantage and that scale is available with the tata others won't be able to beat Tata. now reliance i heard recently has tied up with bp uh, british petroleum to launch uh, electric chargers in bp petrol banks. and we'll see how the competition plays out but the scale that they can they have is so much better that's why tata stock j have zoomed in the last uh, you know 6 months or so in India becoming becoming very, very profitable investment for people. But but it's important to think on, on these lines when you buy these.
1: Couldn't agree more. Manish before we end, any any final resources that people should maybe read on? Any articles that come to mind?
0: I I would encourage everyone to read understanding Michael Potter, the book is. Michael Potter, Jay, I'm sure you would have heard of the guy, the guy who wrote on yeah the the forces that act on a company okay uh, bargaining power of the supplier bargaining power of the buyer uh, substitution and all so there's a book called understanding michael porter which goes deep into into what all you need to do or what all you need to see for which allows you to to gauge whether a company is good for the long term ownership of yours in your portfolio or it has enough forces acting on its destruction
1: so th- that's one book i'll highly recommend Anything that comes out of his mouth, he's a Harvard professor, just brilliant.
0: Yeah, and the author of this book, Understanding Michael Potter, Joanne Magretta. And Jay, mm-hmm. other thing, I, I, I think also where I've learned a lot from his autobiographies. I recently finished the autobiography on Disney by Robert Iger, his actual name, but everyone calls him Bob Iger. But he shares the reason he bought Pixar or the reason he bought Marvel was only because he wanted Disney to survive. Because without them, Disney wouldn't have been having the growth tragedy that it has today. Like today, we look at Marvel and all, but Disney wouldn't have grown to the way it's grown if they didn't have the IP of Marvel and Pixar and George Lucas's Star Wars. Definitely. So when I read these autobiographies, when I read these business stories, when I read Steve Jobs' autobiography or Elon Musk, I realize how much are they fighting on a daily basis to just save their company, which is what makes me Definitely. respect competition much more, which is what I would recommend for people to do.
1: Couldn't agree more. Well, very well, sir. Manish...
0: So so yeah, that's it for me. Anything that comes to your mind,
1: Jay? No, I mean you know I'm not the not the person for the resources, but again, it's it's Porter's Five Forces and understanding Michael Porter. I mean, in a nutshell, everything we've spoken about really over this podcast is Porter's Five Forces, right? Absolutely. So it's it's very important to kind of understand that, and there's more than enough free articles online that that you can read on that.
0: Absolutely. So, guys, that's it from us. The whole whole intention being, you make money. You make money work for you, and and I hope this session helped you to think in in a more insightful manner about the stocks you buy or you sell. All right, guys. See so yeah Have a smashing.
1: See you. Day you have ahead. A day weekend.
0: Jay, have a super weekend ahead. You too. Bye.